welcome to episode 7 of Kicking and Streaming. I am your host, Johnny Lake, and sitting across from me is my good, good friend and my co-host, Kevin Charles John Hill. Hi! How's it going, Kev? Uh, it's going fairly well. I'm waiting to see if it's going to snow tonight in New York. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I always love a few inches of snow because that's fun. I can deal with that. And then the next morning, it mis- mixes with like the dirt and grime of New York City. Yep, and becomes and all the, the cars most... push all the snow to the side yeah, of the street. It becomes the most disgusting thing you've ever seen in the world. Yeah. Uh, but when it falls, it looks pretty. and I You can... got like two, two yeah. and a half hours of really, really quaint, beautiful New York. Yeah, and you're like, I want to walk around in it. And you like go out for a walk. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. I mean, we have a long weekend this weekend, so hopefully oh. it's nice. Hopefully well, we'll... well, this weekend... We, we, we have a long weekend because Monday, yes. the day that we're hopefully going to release this podcast, the biggest is holiday, day. the biggest holiday, the biggest of the holiday year. of the year. Uh, so I wanted to wish you a happy, happy President's Day, Kevin. Well, thank you very much. You know how much President's Day means to me. <laughs> I know how much it means to everyone. Yes, um, Johnny, who's your favorite president um, in history? Off the top of my head, as far as just like uh, looking at the man, maybe not necessarily. Uh, the specific policy achievements they all, you know, strove for in their time in office. But Teddy Roosevelt was a pretty, uh, yeah, he was a pretty cool dude and worth admiration. I think he was a character. He was a definite character. He was a character. Do you think uh, he could have won when he did that third party run in 1912? Do you think we'd be a different country if he won in 1912? What what party did he run as? He ran in the Bull Moose Party. And he split the Republican vote. And then Woodrow Wilson won. Oh. Yeah. It's a little bit of history for you. History nerds. Wow. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. for all that's for all you uh, yeah. AP US history buffs out there. Yeah, yeah. Represent. <laughs> I got a five. Fours or five. Stand up. Yeah. I don't want to stand up because <laughs> no, I'll make too much noise. <laughs> and I'll, yeah, knock over a microphone. And... But that's nice, Kevin. Now we all know you're a history geek. Well, I was a history major at NYU, and then I dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your favorite president? Uh, my favorite president is very easy. It's uh, James K. Polk. When you say my favorite president is very easy, I don't expect an answer like James K. Polk. I expect like Barack Obama. Uh, Obama? <laughs> uh, Obama? Uh, no, I am not a Barack. Like I love Barack Obama. Obviously, he was a very great president to have when I blossomed into a man. But uh, <laughs> who's a father figure to you? And uh, if you're a millennial who looks back on fond memories of George H. Or George W. Bush, um, just read the Wikipedia again of him and just remind yourself of who he was as a president. And But let's get back to my favorite. Yeah, and get back to your favorite. <laughs> um, my favorite is uh, James K. Polk. I remember from AP U.S. History, he was a president who ran on platform. He's like, I'm going to get four things done. <laughs> and then he got those four things done. And, and uh, he only went for one term, right? Yeah, he only went for one one term. And then he was like, I'm out. I did what I had to do. And then he died like four weeks later. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, the man he, was put on this earth yeah. to become president and accomplish four it things. Was, uh, it was cut taxes, like trade taxes, mm-hmm. uh, do like the U.S. Treasury. Uh, do the U.S. Treasury. Like, like, re, like create, like, because... Andrew Jackson fucked all that up. Okay. So he did the treasury. Uh, I remember he secured the Oregon Territory. Oh. And then, like, settled, like, New Mexico and California with the Mexican government. See, that's a good variety of achievements from a president. Yeah. I can respect the hell out of that, just getting four things on your platform, Mm -hmm. accomplishing all of them, and then just being like, peace. Yeah. 
and I think history will remember him as one of the top ten presidents of all time. Wow. Yeah. And he was he his uh, opponents I remember uh, ran on a platform of who is James K. Polk? That was like their big like ha was, I got you like this guy's yeah. a nobody. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, who, yeah, who's this guy? That's, you know? That's silly. Well, Kevin, uh, last week we watched a little movie called So Undercover, starring Miley Cyrus, Jeremy Piven, Boo. and a bunch of D-list actors. Um, I would say no-list actors. Probably, probably I no think most of those actors have... They were picked off the set of some other have not been on... Stuff. I think most of them were Tulane students, to be um, honest. How do you how do you feel about the movie? Has anything changed since uh, you've watched the movie? About your perception of it? How just give me your general thoughts. I think, I think what was fun about Naomi Nelis was like we could kind of make fun of it because it was our generation and our generation just doing silly stupid things. Mm-hmm. Next was just a dumb action movie, so it was fun to make fun of a dumb Nicolas Cage action movie. This. Was just this movie started off so 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 this is bad. unsalted, like crackers. This is like it's bland with no water. Yeah, it's plain. You're just like okay, yeah. They they made this movie. It was probably made hastily. It was probably made cheaply. But I was wondering, who do you think this film was made for? Was it made for like those? Tween girls who, like... It absolutely was made for tween girls that are just, you know, stands of Miley Cyrus. So it wasn't made for two 24-year-old boys. (laughs) No, it certainly wasn't. (laughs) But honestly, though, it it started really rough, and then it started to charm me a little bit in the the middle third. It really did. I'm being honest. Where? What what, what was charming Miley Cyrus is charming, and she's a decent actress. And and but she's like LeBron, <laughs> and wait wait for it here because you can't surround her with nobodies uh-huh. and expect amazing things to happen. You got to surround okay. her with the three and D yeah. kind of shooters, energy people. Mm-hmm. You I don't th- I don't think Jeremy Piven was right for that role at all. Yeah. R- regardless of the fact that he, you know allegations have come out recently that he's a total creep and and things that he's done things that he's done with women in the yeah. past lie on the spectrum of sexual harassment or yeah. sexual assault um, but she, Miley Cyrus is charming and if you put her around other funny bit people mm-hmm. it, it works this yeah. movie didn't really do it so much they had it had its moments though this needed like a young Kate McKinnon in it like yeah. the sorority girls like there was there was one or there, there, her there was roommate, Kelly Osbourne did her, you know that that was Kelly was? Osbourne <laughs> The, no, the her not. roommate. Yes, it was. I looked it up on Wikipedia. Shout out to Kelly Osborne. And she wasn't bad. No, but, she was good. But it was just like no part, like no real part. She had five. She had probably five or six like sardonic funny lines in the movie. Yeah. And I don't even like the 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 like character trait of the one girl named Cotton, right? Cotton was uh, her only character trait was she had a really prick boyfriend yeah like he, she, he, she had a terrible boyfriend like i can't didn't she really... also end up being like oddly smart like oh yeah street smarts she didn't have like any book smarts but she was like street smart or something i can't remember it's funny with these movies that we're watching because we like we get probably half of the plot mm-hmm. but we're also making fun of it on appearance and structure so it yeah. it's not our our full comprehension of the movie isn't there but i feel like we understand enough to be able to you know critique it at the end on a on in broad strokes yeah but my thing was that i said during our last podcast is that i think 
Um, I think so. Undercover stacks up to Naomi and Eli. Okay, at, at the very least. So, what are we judging it on first to begin with? So, you want me to make categories? Well, because I I disagree with you. I think Naomi and Eli's No Kiss List is a better film in general, and was a better watch. Kevin, for us I don't know in if general. your use of the word film. Yeah, the, I, I'm sorry. I I I have I really I keep works that well. I listen to so many like podcasts that like talk about like let's analyze the film call me by your name I, we can't be like let's analyze the film so Next. undercover yeah. <laughs> we have to say movie and i do apologize for that we have to anyway, say movie i don't mean to be flick. pedantic but but yeah. carry on no well what are because i just i just think naomi and eli's was better a more fun watch okay. and more so a better movie in general acting so yeah. that'll make that that'll be one um okay. acting writing okay um I guess I don't know, like movie structure and like directing. Yeah. On the how about those three? Just the, but, just those three right there. Three okay. categories. I could tell you now that uh, Naomi and Eli was much better directed. Sure, I'll I'll, I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. Naomi and Eli gets this, gets an edge in dir- direction. I will give you acting though. Acting goes for to so undercover. Goes to so undercover because there are some. There are some bit parts like the the people that are making up Miley. Yeah. It's it's so hammed up, but it's kind of funny, and Miley makes yeah. that scene possible but and doable. But we remember the supporting characters so much more from Naomi and Eli's. You can't. But that's I don't know true. if that's, that's because. But they were, that's because they were I, funny. Were was, they funny? That was our that was our that was our first hate watch, Kevin. That was our first yeah. kicking and streaming hate watch. We've popped our cherry with <laughs> Naomi so, and Eli's. No kidding. So I think you might be holding it in a slightly higher regard because of that. Yeah. But I, I, I think the acting was better. Maybe in, you're right. In So Undercover, and I think... Um, I think the writing mm-hmm. was... It, it's Honestly, it's probably a toss-up between yeah. the two. Well, I think... I, just, yeah. I, was just, I'm, I was more charmed by by So Undercover. I think you have a little crush on Miley Cyrus. I probably have a teeny little crush. I, I admiration, certainly. Mm-hmm. And Maybe a little bit of crush. We had no feelings at all towards Victoria Justice in uh, Naomi and Eli's. No. But at least Naomi and Eli's was trying to, like, be, like, a story about a generation... Yeah, you know, at least I mean, it tried I, to people, go. For some it. people put put a lot of hard work, I think, into Naomi and Eli's yeah. Kiss List, and I think a lot of people phoned it in for So Undercover because it was oh, a Miley yeah. Cyrus movie. Yeah, but I don't think. <laughs> what are you laughing about? <laughs> I was just imagining a lot of people coming to work on So Undercover <laughs> and just being like, "Oh, it's gonna be a rough twelve hours." <laughs> I mean, it's, it didn't, I mean, you did that shit when you worked for the production company that you worked for that we won't name. Yeah, but at least I wasn't, like, holding, like, a boom mic. <laughs> That's true. You, you were <laughs> for just, 12 hours. You were just sitting at a desk for yeah. 14 hours. But I hours. was working on some bad films. <laughs> some bad, bad films. All right, so uh, another thing we discussed last week was that So Undercover was a bad enough film for portions of it that we nearly lost all faith, nearly lost all hope, and we thought we might die on that couch. And so we're... we're bringing up the possibility of revising our process of mm-hmm. how we pick these awful movies. Well, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I think uh, we should try to pick maybe two or three and then try to pick the one that looks like it could be the most fun. Because, I mean, I didn't really do much research into these. And, um, I mean, these are crapshoots, man. And that's why we need suggestions from you guys. Um, 
please email us at kickingstreamingpod at gmail.com because we want to share a movie experience with you. Um, we did get a, a suggestion or two already, which we will add to the bowl, but, I mean, it, some of these movies are just bland and they're bad. And you some, know what? I, I just yeah. I found another thing that uh, is a good argument for someone to cover. It's a concise oh. 94 minutes. And I think Naomi and Eli was was closer to like <laughs> Naomi and Eli did feel long. 107 or so. Yeah, just like a little too long. Didn't we say it was like 15, 20 minutes too long? Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember yelling, uh, "Please end it now!" In like a scene in Central Park, <laughs> yeah. and then it went on for another fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I will so, do that. Would, would would you like to pick the movies out of the bowl? I believe it's my turn because you're I, the one who picks so undercover. That's true. I, we don't want any of that. Hence why. Yeah. I, I want to point out to our listeners, it's this is not good podcast material and you can't see it, but we, it's literally the same bowl that we've had all these yeah. paper pieces with titles in them. It's And it's been like, what, four weeks now that we've been doing this? Yeah. That bowl has been completely out of commission. There's just been paper in it. No one's we, touched it. We have it. sinks that we, I mean, we have we have dishes that stack up in our sink, and that that bowl is just completely on the sidelines right now. Yeah, it shows right. our commitment. All right, I'm going to pick three titles. Three titles. Okay, got it. We've got. Oh, okay. This could be a fun one. Jaws: The Revenge. Oh wow. I think. Would you like me to read like the the blurb about it? Yes. Oh my God. What? <laughs> uh, okay. Jaws the Revenge is a 1987 American horror thriller film. It was the final theatrical film to be directed by Joseph Sargent. It's the third sequel to Spielberg's Jaws, Ooh. and the fourth and final installment in the Jaws franchise. The so they film, ended it. With- the film focuses on a now-widowed Ellen Brody, Lorraine Gary, that's the actress mm-hmm. and her convictions that a great white shark is seeking revenge on her family yep we're doing that one all right all right wait no, no, so no, that no. was the first one i picked no I, I don't know i feel like we have a lot of titles in there we but should do i want to do, see the film no, that no 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 kevin kevin we just franchise. made a decision we need to make a uh, we need to make a decision and well, stick with our with, stick i'm gonna need something doing. a lot better at then. the very least we eliminate two more titles out of that we just need okay. people okay. to email us okay please email. at kicking and streaming pod right. at gmail.com what's the next number title, two is starstruck oh boy this is clearly going to be like one of those films that's like we should make a film about american idol I, it's a is it from 2020 I guess. Or, I mean, sorry, 2010. <laughs> 2020. 2020. It's, is it from the future? Uh, it's from the future. Yeah. Uh, directed by Michael Grossman. Um, featured know. song is Hero. Uh, oh, you know what? It got a nomination for the People's Choice Award for Favorite Family TV Movie. Really? Yeah. The people loved it? Yeah. Okay, who's in it? I can't say I'm going to choose it over Jaws. But... Who's in it? Give me a, a C actor or a D actor. Come right. on. Give me a second. Give me a second. Cast. Sterling Knight as Christopher Wilde, Danielle Campbell as Jessica Olson, Brandon Michael Smith as Albert Joshua Stubby Stubbins. That's a character. Stubby yeah. Stubbins. Uh, Chelsea Kane as Alexis Bender. Wow. Maggie Castle, Matt Winston, Tony Trucks. Keep Beth these names Dan coming. O'Connor, I know none Lauren of them. Bowles, I know Ron none of Peterson, them. And Abby none Cobb. of them. None of them. All right, that's starstruck. <laughs> that one's not going to make it. That's not going to make it. But one more choice. Can it beat the shark? 
beat the shark. Lemonade mouth. That's, Do not know what this intriguing. is about. Ooh, it came up quickly on my on uh, on the search bar as I typed it in. Yeah. Lemonade mouth is a 2011 teen musical film based on the novel of the same name by Mark Peter Hughes. The film was directed by Patricia Riggin and written by April Blair and stars Bridget Mendler, Adam Hicks, Haley Kiyoko, Naomi Scott, and Blake Michael. It's a Disney Channel original. Oh, wow. Well, I'm going to... Do we have to pick live right now, or can we do our research and let the people... We kind of got to give the... We kind of got to say what we're going to do, I think we got to say what we're going to do. Look, I, I mean, I think I think we know, right? I think we, we want to see that shark. Answer. I think we're going to watch Jaws. I think we want to see that shark. We're going to see Jaws 4. All right, so we're wa- watching Jaws, the comma, The Revenge. Actually, I think it's Jaws, uh, semicolon, The Revenge. Is this the one with Michael Caine in it? I want Barry, another member of the Brody family. Oh, the Brody family? <laughs> yeah. This is Chief Brody. <laughs> <laughs> I want Barry. I won't do it. <laughs> I'm leaving Nantucket. I told you, I'm leaving the shark is coming on the beach. <laughs> it's a big shark. I'm taking the next boat out of town, Mr. Brody. I won't. I won't close the beach. <laughs> I won't see another member of the Brody family get eaten by a shark. Well, apparently Michael Caine was in a sequel of a Jaws movie, and he said, I've never seen the movie, but I've seen the house that the movie built for me. Okay. Like, oh, Michael Caine is in this. Okay, so this is the paycheck. One. This is great. Yes. This is this is good. We've got Lorraine Gary, obviously as uh, as widowed Ellen Brody, Mrs. Mm-hmm. Brody, uh, Lance Guest, Mario Van Peebles, Karen Young. That name sounds familiar. Um, it's Lance Guest as Michael Brody, who I believe Michael is the son. Mm-hmm. Um, Mario Van Peebles as Jake, who I presume is a friend. Melvin Van Peebles, Mr. Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. I think this. Oh, oh, guess the name of Michael Caine's character. Uh, it's a sandwich. <laughs> Dr. Rubin? No, it's even better than that. Dr. Um, it's not doctor, but okay. his, his first name is a sandwich. First name is... This character's name... Colby? Cordon Bleu? Hoagie Newcomb. Hoagie? Hoagie Newcomb. <laughs> his name is Hoagie? The man's name. He's a British man I hope playing it, I hope he's the playing. Philadelphia slang term <laughs> for sub? Yes. Oh, my God. I'm excited to watch this All right, now. good. That's awesome. Jaws 4, The Revenge. I think Jaws, The Revenge. If you're just joining the podcast now, I think this is one that you want to listen along to. Because this this seems like it's going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of laughs. And I'm excited. I think one thing we should try to do is try to think of the reasons that this killed the Jaws franchise. Because this could be some... This is a franchise... I mean, Jaws is one of the highest grossing movies of all time, even with inflation. Like this, yeah, it's one. It's one of Spielberg's original greats. Yeah, and this should be something that's like like Halloween or you know Saw movies. Like they still have, there should still be sequels and reboots coming out for this. But this is the last one. I'm I'm now excited. All I'm, right, it, it, I we're am too. we're trending up since last week. Yeah, after so undercover, Johnny and I kind of just looked at each other and. Well, I, it, it was that was the national disaster that forced Congress to change <laughs> legislation. That's what it was. Oh God, yeah. All right, sure. so cool. That's that's decided. Um, we'll watch Jaws: The Revenge next time. Uh, if you do feel like sending in some requests, again, we'll repeat it for those that didn't hear last time. Please email us at kicking and streaming pod. That's entirely spelled out. Yeah. 
uh, at gmail.com. Yeah, we need to add some entries into here, especially for picking three each Yeah, we'd episode. love to do something that the people want to hear. So. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so the next thing we want to talk about, Kevin, uh, something that we've been you know, kind of watching a lot of the past week or so that I imagine a lot of people else, uh, other people out there have been, if anyone's listening, I imagine they have been, the PyeongChang Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't catch the opening ceremony live, but that was a whole big spectacle. Yes. We had the Korean team, the Korean teams marching as one, as under one unified flag. Which How do you feel about that? Cool. I mean, I thought it was, well... I don't know if I understand enough about the socio-political mm-hmm. ramifications of it to to really comment, but I think it's a it's a nice gesture at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, I think your reaction to it really stems off of how much you kind of think North Korea puts on the show, how much you think it's all propaganda, you know. With I uh, mean, your view on the government of North Korea makes you kind of look at the one Korea in a, either a very positive or negative way. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's probably just a just a dream. I, I, I think of it as kind of unrealistic almost, and that's why I see the gesture as kind mm-hmm. of nice because I'm pretty sure the Kim family is going to want to, if there's any unification happening at all, the Kim family is going to want to run uh, uh, an autocracy mm-hmm. o- over the entire Korean Peninsula. And Which that's just not going to happen. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I thought it was a nice gesture, and then it, of course uh, people caught Mike Pence not not standing while the the Korean team was neither proceeding. him or Karen, neither him or mother. Karen, come on, Karen. I I don't know what to say. I don't think it surprises me. I also don't know if he was standing for all the teams. Entrances. I think he might have only stood for USA. And but in, should in case, you that's shouldn't just you bad. stand and cheer for the home countries? That's true. Team. And you're literally you're right. sitting next to, you know, South Korean leaders. Oh, yeah. They were in the same picture. Yeah. They were in the same frame. But uh, I don't know. And now uh, now a lot of, uh, you know, LGBTQ athletes are kind of taking, taking a stance against Mike Pence, which I really like. I think he's got some really uh, outdated views on... Um, you know, human rights and um, people's yeah. rights over their own bodies. So I, I appreciate any pushback there uh, it, politically. It, it's interesting with Mike Pence, and this is kind of getting off topic from the Olympics, but you can have his, like, kind of anti-LGBTQ viewpoints when you're a governor. It's so much easier to, like, have that when you're a governor, but you can't on a national level. Yeah. And it, it's you see his reaction and see his like press team's reaction where it's like we're cheering for all athletes. <laughs> and you're like, well, he wasn't cheering for those athletes when he was governor. Yeah. He he is someone that needs to be like he needs to come forward and say, uh, you know, if he's, you know, actually changed and actually has more of what the country believes in, the majority of the country country believes in is that uh, LGBTQ rights, especially something like gay marriage. He needs to before and be like, this is what the country likes, and I understand. At least be like, I understand that. Yeah. And you know, I will support what my nation believes in. But of course. But he's on the. Of course. The obstinate he can't. right, and he he will never. Admit Karen to can't, and any kind of no Republican inferiority. Yeah, or, Christian or, can't. Or lack of knowledge or any kind of deference. 
just won't work. Well, so tell me, Kevin, so you've been yeah. watching some of the events. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the let's, fun let's stuff. Talk about some of the fun stuff. You've been watching a lot of events. Um, I hope at least. Have, what what particularly have you been? Well, watching? Well, I might work for a corporation that a certain that, corporation with a logo that uh, appears when you watch <laughs> that appears when you watch the Olympic events. So I haven't watched any lot. other. I'll tell you one thing: U.S. hockey team stinks. <laughs> they stink. They <laughs> Slovenia. That's hey. Hey man, the Eastern Europe—they know how to play themselves some hockey. They lost a. Uh, they lost to a non-doping they, Russian yeah, athletes they, they lost four to, to zero. Clean Russian yeah. athletes. We've got the best hockey players NHL doesn't want. I was watching yeah. uh, Skeleton this morning. I was watching. That is a bonker sport. I was watching Skeleton and Luge the other day, which is just crazy. I saw a Nigerian athlete go down. And at a couple points on the course, looked a little bit like frazzled and out of control, and that kind of scared me because I remember I don't know if it was Sochi or if it was the it was the Vancouver Games, oh, but yeah. where uh, that uh, Georgian athlete died in the mm-hmm. in the bob, not the bobsled in the um, luge. Mm-hmm. So that that event always kind of freaks me out. And then they had a really interesting camera view of like on the sleigh, like right Wait, down like at the GoPro? ice level. Yeah, it must have been a, excuse me, it must have been a GoPro or something. Mm-hmm. Really cool view. It showed the whole length of the course and how the, how much they pick up speed from the start, you know, going through the turns, mm-hmm. like strategically hitting the side of the uh, the barriers at some points. Just wild. So um, would you ever do like lose your skeleton for fun? On that, if you if you wanted me to go down that course on in luge, you'd have to pay me money. What about like any course? Because this is interesting. Because I was reading and talking to some people well, about not one how where I'd be going so fast. That, no, well, you're not going to be going that fast. On, okay, all right, that's all then. Anyway, yeah. Go ahead. Um, but uh, I was talking to some people, and they were telling me about how Skeleton and Luge for the U.S. Olympic teams recruits athletes. They recruit, like, runners and volleyball players and basketball players. And uh, bobsled, too. Yeah. They, um, there was a guy uh, named Sam McGuffey who used to be a high school uh, football phenom in Texas. Hmm. I used to watch YouTube videos of him when I was in high school and playing on my high school football team. Hmm. And he was small, but he literally would jump over guys. He had sick moves. He was like very kind of compact and powerful. And so now apparently he's on the USA Luge team. And, you know, they just get those guys that are have strong legs and mm-hmm. and can just start stiff off. Wrists. Yeah, st- stiff wrists. Yeah, strong legs and stiff wrists. That's their Strong model. legs. Stiff, Stiff wrist, can't lose, can't lose, can't lose, can't lose. Only bobsled, but yeah, I I, th- I think that's really interesting. I, I feel like I remember hearing that Lolo Jones, who was a very popular and talented um, hurdler uh, for the USA track and field, has taken a taken a shot at bobsled or, or something like that. So I, it, it's that's one of the interesting sports we're seeing in the Olympics, definitely. Okay, so you are a very athletic person. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd call myself pretty athletic. So, if you were, like, given four years to train for any Olympic event in the Winter Olympics, do you think there's one you could do? Because I think if I, like, gave up four years of my life, and everyone's going to be like, shut the hell up, Kevin. <laughs> well, if we're, if we're taking, I think like, I could do money, skeleton. If we're, oh, wow. I kind of want to try skeleton. That's unbelievable. I think I'm too tall for you it. You might be too tall for it. Maybe luge? A, possibly luge. I gotta get better core. You might though. have to be the you might have to be the driver because you drive with your feet a little bit, and so you gotta have the feet way out in front of you. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Is there wait? Is, 
Would you want to do two-man bobsled? I don't think there's such a thing, is there? Yeah, there is. Isn't there? Maybe Look I'm it wrong. Two-man bobsled. Because I thought Jamaica had a... the Or Nigeria didn't have the women's bobsled? Uh, is that four that, or two? Yeah, it's, I think it's only... Hmm. Bob Slay. I like how they call it Bob Slay. Yeah. Oh no, so it is two or four teammates. Yeah. You're right. Let's train. Mm, maybe. 2022, you and me. I think if, if you take financial considerations all out and just mm. say all you got to do is train, that would be fun. I, I think I could, it would be either Bob Sled or, yeah. or Luge. But every movie or, about it. No, no, no. Yeah. I, would train, I would train for um, biathlon. I yeah. think about the biathlon is a super cool event and it's one of the best ones to watch because they're shooting and then they're they're skiing and there's the course in Pyeongchang is apparently is very well kept and it's it's cold temperatures there so they're not losing any snow it's all staying in really good conditions it's been exciting to watch uh, I've I've seen a lot of biathlon over the past week can you shoot a gun though I feel like I could if I put some training time into it because that's the and those key are not, to those biathlon aren't really guns either let's say yeah. they're like pellet guns but it I was watching it um the uh, short track women's biathlon oh really um. It really comes down to not missing with the gun to like have a chance to win the biathlon because you have to run that penalty lap if you miss. Yeah, it's 150 meters. Um. Well, okay. So here was the interesting thing in some of the events, some of the biathlon events, you have to do that. I think it's the shorter ones that you're forced to do that, and that yeah. adds around about 20 seconds or so. It's 150 meter loop mm -hmm. which is tight and and i always find it interesting when they have to do those tight turns on those kind of skis because they're shifting their weight so quickly and moving their feet because there's no edge on them but in the longer events like i think in the 20k biathlon or or whatever um they just do um penalties they do like a minute mm. penalty for each for each thing you miss see but which is a lot yeah you don't want to be a good shooter if you're doing those long events absolutely and it's and it's obviously crazy i've told this to a, 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 like tens of people but like tens 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 of people tens so 11 <laughs> 12 or 13 <laughs> okay um but they're going so hard and obviously the the biathletes or like you know cross-country skiers are super fit because they have extremely strong hearts their hearts are beating super hard when they're out there you know you know skiing really hard and then they get into the range and they have to take these shots between heartbeats or hold their breath and it's very mm -hmm. it's tough and trying it's two very different uh, skill sets that i like how they combine and plus we know from uh running that when you're doing like cardio work the worst thing you can do in like a long cardio thing is to like lay on the ground yeah. And just immediately stop it. It's really bad for you. It's terrible for you. <laughs> you should always keep moving. They yeah. literally say, keep moving. I remember my, keep it yeah, moving. my high school cross-country coach was like, I'd rather you just walk around <laughs> than ever stop running during a practice. Yeah. I'm like, all right. And these guys are just collapsing after like the end of the... After they go through the oh. finish line, and they're you like collapse to the snow, and yeah. their mouths are all like foamy, and they just look haggard, and they're breathing heavily, and they're just faces in the snow, and it's so intense. I and love if you it. do well, the coach will come get you, and if you don't, yeah, you gotta lie in that the, snow the, for a little the bit. The triumph of the human spirit is worth it mm -hmm. if you uh, get a little bit of achievement in there. I saw the there was a, I believe he was. Mexican. There was a Mexican um, careful cross country skier. I no. I, <laughs> <laughs> he was Mexican, Kevin. Oh, okay. He was a Mexican cross country skier. Well, you don't know that. Did you see the flag? No, I. 
Did he have like yeah. the Mexican okay, colors yes. okay. on him? Okay. okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it okay. real quick just so I'm not please. offending anybody. Okay, yeah, please. Mexican All right. Sphere. Just just be careful. Okay. Mexican. I don't see nationalities. Yep, okay. Okay, never mind. You're right. Yeah, so this Mexican guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, man? Yes, this uh, this Mexican skier finished last 25... <laughs> God. Take it easy. 25 minutes behind the leader. Oh. Uh, and the leader's time was 33 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he came up to the finish line, and he grabbed his country's flag and was finishing. He was the last person to finish, and... You know, finished into a crowd of his supporters and his yeah. teammates and and his uh, friends and loved ones, and it was just really nice. You know, despite the fact that he finished last and didn't really have much of a good performance, yeah. it was it was Olympics heartwarming, and, and I love that shit. And in three years, Disney is proud to present <laughs> the story of the Mexican biathlete. God, I hope not. I think I can ski and shoot. You'll never ski and shoot in this family. Okay. (laughs) I didn't add an accent. No, you didn't. But that would be a line in the movie. I didn't go for the accent. I stopped myself from the accent. (laughs) But there would be a scene where the dad is like... You'll never ski and shoot in this family. Kevin, it's gonna be you're gonna you're gonna have to. It's gonna be hard for you to not. But do the that mom's accent. gonna give the yourself. mom's gonna you're give gonna him some money and be like, go, go, <laughs> go to Pyeongchang. And then the dad's like, I'm not going to Pyeongchang. And then as he finishes, the dad's just there with the Mexican flag. Yeah. And the he gives it to the shows up at the end with the Mexican flag attached to the pole, and he finishes. And then and it's beautiful. Even there. though pro- everyone's yeah. crying. Yeah. And then there's like cool runnings at the end. There's just a slow clap by East Germans, and they <laughs> all stoic. Yeah, very stoic. They're like East Germans yeah. and like Finnish and like Russians. Yeah, and they're all very stoic and and chiseled faces. I don't get in the end of Cool Runnings why it's the East Germans who start the clapping because the whole movie they're like we want the respect of the Swiss, we want the respect of the Swiss, and the East Germans are the one who start the bar fight, and like it's like the East Germans are the one who turned it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting it's too into cool running. Kevin. It's an arc. Oh, it's you an arc. You know what arc. that's called? It's called good writing. writing. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I want to get I want to get past the Olympics because we might yes. still talk about that next week. There's still a couple weeks of it left to yes. enjoy and consume and um, and watch. So I want to move on to our final topic that we wanted to talk about today, yeah. and we have. The Academy Awards coming up in a couple weeks. I think we're going to talk about, at some point in the future, we're going to talk about some movies that we've seen this year and what we've really liked, but we wanted to specifically today talk about Roger Deakins. Yes, I mean, I think, obviously, the nominations are all out for the Academy Awards, and like you said, we will get into probably our picks and our favorite movies you know, as that gets closer, but I really want to have a conversation with you about what the Academy Awards is like and how this is a weird year for the Academy Awards. And how I think you can predict the rest of the night by who wins best cinematography. Really? Yes. Because the, I, the Academy Awards is all about storylines. And so that's I, definitely true. It's been and, apparent to me for a couple of years now. I think I didn't get it at first, but yeah. And we have this really, really, really interesting cinematography category. We have Rachel Morrison from Mudbound, first female cinematographer ever nominated. That was a beautiful movie. Yeah, and not only that, it was done on like a tight budget for Netflix. Yeah. Which is a huge win just to be nominated for Netflix. And and it's interesting because that means so few people saw that movie on a big screen too, Mm -hmm. but it still was recognized for the visuals that it it created. Absolutely, and I kind of wish I'd seen Mudbound on a big screen. Me too. Yeah. I would have liked that. Uh, Bruno Del Bono, 
Dobono or Darkest Hour. He won't win, so just forget him. I even said his name. <laughs> Hoyt Van Hoytema for Dunkirk, the Christopher Nolan movie. Oh, okay. Hoyt Van, what was his name? Hoyt Van Hoytema. Okay. He's definitely not Dutch. <laughs> uh, and Dan Lauston for The Shape of Water. Okay, I haven't seen that yet, but I'm hoping to. Yes, uh, definitely see it before the Academy Awards. Have you um, seen it? Yes. Okay. And then, of course, 14-time nominee, loser, Roger Deakins. Kevin, tell me some of the movies that Roger Deakins has worked on. This is literally if, like, every human being has at least one of their top five favorite movies is a Roger Deakins movie. He started off first-nominated film, a little film that every person, 90s kid loves. It's called Shawshank Redemption. Oh, God. You didn't mm-hmm. tell me that one. You no? gave me a brief preview of this it's, segment, yeah. and you didn't tell me about that one, and that is a really great movie. That's the first time he was nominated. That's awesome. And he follows that up with um, you know, this film that isn't like that great of a written film or like not that culturally significant, uh, Fargo. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And then he did uh, one of your favorite films, um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? That is a, another classic. Mm-hmm. He did uh, Kundun, which is the Martin Scorsese one. I have not seen that. It's about uh, Dalai Lama. He oh. did The Man Who Wasn't There, another Coen Brothers, mm-hmm. Billy Bob Thornton. He did my favorite movie of all time, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. Then in the same year, he was nominated twice because he also did No Country for Old Men. Two westerns, two different era westerns, same year nominated. Then he did that Kate Winslet movie, The Reader. Okay. Then he did another western, True Grit, another Coen Brothers western. Then he did Skyfall. He got a James Bond nominated. That's that's the that's the best looking James Bond movie I've ever seen. When they go to Scotland, that third act. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's I have and I, and I haven't watched it recently <laughs> enough, but. But that's uh, I enjoy that movie both visually as well as narratively. But and I'm it, sorry to our Scotland Scott, really does it. I'm sorry to our Scottish listeners, but whenever I see Scotland on film, I just like it looks gorgeous. It looks beautiful, and I think if I ever went there in person, yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't live up to the hype. It would not of Scotland in films. Maybe it would. We'll see. But um, follow it up with a, a favorite of mine, a Denis Villeneuve. That, that, just, okay, can I please pronounce it correctly yeah. so we don't butcher it? No, it's. <laughs> It's just, I think I'm almost positive it's just Denis Villeneuve. 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 When I make a Blade Runner. <laughs> that, what? I love. That, was that supposed to be French? French Canadian. Oh I my. I, okay. I have a good time oh making Blade Runner. <laughs> sure. They said, you cannot do sequel. I said, let me try it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Okay, God. just, it's a, it's a fun. All right. <laughs> I like to do this little game myself because I've listened to too many film podcasts where it's Denny talking about making Blade Runner with <laughs> his he accent. Say, say, say he just, he just, he, it's a game you can play at home. And you know, I, I say, they say, do not make the sequel. And I say, no, we will try. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? You try to do a French-Canadian accent, which is nearly impossible to do, and just be like, I said, uh, Ryan, will you do this film? And uh, Ryan said, let me see the script. <laughs> You're mixing in other things. I know. Kevin. It's hard to do. <laughs> You're not doing But it's French. fun to do. Oh. Hey. Uh, uh. <laughs> okay, so watch. All right. Watch Blade Runner 2049. Watch Blade Runner 2049, and then listen to a director's commentary, and then <laughs> start playing the, the Denny talking about Blade Runner game. But speaking of Blade Runner, 
this is what Roger Deakins is nominated for. Blade Runner 2049. And when we went and saw the movie, we saw it together mm-hmm. back in... Was it this was October? It okay, October. That sounds good. Because when it came out, because we yeah. wanted to see it before they took it away from theaters because it was bombing in the box office. Yeah, that's right. And as far as like the whole movie goes, you mm-hmm. were not blown away by it. It was it was a fun experience, correct? Mm-hmm. You'd say that, but as far as I don't know the story the movie told, you weren't really. Well, I don't mean to be like that classic film critic, but you could have got twenty minutes. Yeah, probably. And still kept the same ideas. The first act is fantastic. The middle kind of gets a little slow. And the end is... The Harrison Ford... Meeting Harrison Ford takes a little longer. They should have gone to that quicker. Yeah. And then the Jared Leto part... I don't know if it's kind of my disdain for Jared Leto, but... I, I got. I, it was one of those things where it's like... He's like, can machines dream? And you're like, well, you didn't have to take 15 minutes to just ask that question. Like, no, we got it, Jared. <laughs> we got it, Jared. Can these machines have a consciousness of their own? We got it, Jared. <laughs> we got it. No, we got it. You don't. Oh, he's still talking. <laughs> so that's why I kind of took a quick ten minute nap towards the end there. Oh, that's right. I forgot that. Yeah, I t- during the Jared Leto, you know, Temple of Doom. But you, but you can't deny that the movie was no, was that was pretty great. My favorite part of it was the beautiful. Yeah, ex- just like the waves washing up onto a hovering car, like yeah. scenes, just like light shining off of shiny things, and. Mm-hmm. You know, being in old rundown casinos in Las, like post-apocalyptic Las Vegas is, it was pretty wild. Yes, and watching uh, having not seen the yeah. original Blade Runner, it was for, for me, it was like totally eye-opening, and so I was just in awe the whole time, and I really loved it. Yeah. Um. So I still haven't seen the original, but I maybe I need to. But I th- I think one thing that's interesting is it it creates this futuristic sci-fi world that still looks natural, and that's I think part of Deacons is the guy. This guy knows how to light a light bulb. <laughs> this guy knows how to make anything look natural. Yeah. You know, natural, but like, just somehow like, natural, but like, still like magical, mm-hmm. I feel like. Cinematic. Cinematic, yeah. yeah. It's the cin- cinema magic. He does cinema magic without being overbearing with it. And it's funny that he's been doing that for years, but when The Revenant came out, they were like, oh, oh. <gasps> They used natural light? <laughs> Wait, they actually used the sun? Oh my god, this hasn't been done in film before. Deacons like... did Sicario as well, right? Yes. And I only saw Sicario like last week or two weeks ago for the mm-hmm. first time, and I was blown away. And he was nominated for that. And he was. And he didn't he did win. not win. And a lot of people thought he would win for Sicario. So you're, you're, you're repping hard for Deacons for the win this year. Well, I think whoever wins cinematography is going to define the whole rest of the Oscar ceremony. Because normally... They pair best cinematography with best director. This is a pattern that's been going back for years and years. For example, in The Revenant, the cinematographer, Emmanuel Lubezki or whatever. Yeah. Lubezki, yeah. And Inurito won together. Mm-hmm, that's right. And they also won together for Birdman, I believe. That I'm not sure of. We'll have to check on that. Okay. But that's normally a pair. And it's one of those things where every 10 years, you know, seven or eight of it will be paired together. So... Two directors are nominated with the cinematographers, or DOPs. It's Christopher Nolan and Hoyt Van Hoytema for Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Guillermo del Toro and, and Laustein or whatever yeah, for, for Shape, Shape of, of Water. Water. Right. So I think here's how it's going to go down. 
I think it's between Hoyt, Shape of Water guy, who we already forget his name. You think Best Picture is going to go to either Dunkirk or Shape of Water? No, I think Director. Oh, Best Director. Oh, apologies, apologies. Yeah, so Best Director. If Hoyt Van Hoytmo wins, I think that means that Dunkirk is going to win um, Best Director. Christopher Nolan's going to win. And I think it's gonna. That means that Dunkirk is gonna kind of steal a lot of the awards that would be more up in the air. So Dunkirk's gonna get some maybe sound stuff. It might get editing. Uh, it, it it might grab a bunch of these technical awards that this year seem very much more up in the air, and then leave a lot of the artistic awards kind of, you know, something like Call Me by Your Name or Get Out might win screenplay, or you know. Um, the acting's kind of will be all over the place instead of yeah. what's predicted. You, um, three billboards hope. might go award list if that wins. Now, if Shape of Water guy wins, I think you can mark it down on your Oscar ballot that Guillermo del Toro is going to win and Shape of Water will win Best Picture. Yeah, I think that will show that the 13 nominations weren't a fluke and that this is going to start picking up those awards whether you think the fish sex was consensual or not <laughs> woof kev we'll get into that in our oscars because this is a year where something like ladybird could win because no one's got a problem with ladybird and it depends really how much passion you have for the film and if that passion will include a voter you're if you're gonna vote for but we'll get back that into the next episode but here's what i want to talk about a storyline of this Oscars is Will Roger Deakins win cinematography after 14 And you think it matters for the whole grand scheme of the Oscars, for the mm -hmm. whole mm -hmm. narrative, for all the awards, it all draws from there. I think if he wins, it's going to be a lot of a more traditional Oscars. I think it's going to be, if he wins for cinematography... It kind of shows like, okay, it's going to be a grab bag of things, but it's going to be kind of more like, uh, uh, no one's going to really sweep anything, but the people who you kind of say, okay, yeah, that makes sense, are going to win, are going to win. Yeah. I think if Hoyt Van Hoytman wins, that kind of throws Dunkirk winning director, but it won't win Best Picture. And that kind of throws like, all right, let's see who wins Best Picture. You throw like that bag into the air. Check it out there. Yeah, and see it. But I think if Roger Deakins wins, it creates the most interesting um, Oscar ceremony. Because then not only does it kind of be like, okay, are we doing this all storylines? But it really, really shows that a film that didn't get Best Picture, didn't get Best Director, only got one or two other awards, can still win a prestigious prize like cinematography. And then you might hear rumblings of oh it's that's, that's a lifetime achievement award that's a makeup mm -hmm. award yes. for all these all the past so we'll see hopefully you know we mm -hmm. have to deal with those kind of uh you know narratives from writers out there because we want to see roger deakins win finally but and i think it's not to say that it's because it's, it's just his time this is a worthy movie i think that's when you can get something like christopher or um you know someone uh, more like you said it's more the people who deserve the wins are going to get the wins yeah um it's going to be more with the storylines and the safe bets but i do hope he wins because then it could if you don't win that then you can't predict shape of water will automatically win you can't predict that guillermo del toro will automatically win and you can't predict uh that christopher nolan will win 
And I think I think it's gonna be an exciting Oscars. I think there's a lot of awards that can, yeah. could go three or four different ways. Yeah, it's really gonna come down to kind of what type of Oscar ceremony are we gonna have? Are we gonna have like you said this kind of chaos? Are we gonna have we're rewarding people in pairs, or is it gonna be one where it's just um, you get an Oscar, Blade Runner, and you get an Oscar, Get Out, and you get an Oscar, Call Me by Your Name, and or you get an Oscar, Three Billboards, and you get an Oscar, I Tanya, and you get an Oscar. Darkest Hour. We could literally have an Oscars where like the most each best picture win. wins nominee wins like one award. It's That'd kind of wacky. I'd like to see that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's um, that's our Oscar talk for today. We want to save some for potentially next week. We'll or, get to predictions or in, yeah, yeah, whenever we can get in before the Oscars actually. Maybe we could come do like out. a special, it's like the first weekend of March, right? Uh, Sunday. Yep, March fourth. Maybe March we could Sunday do like 4th. a bonus just. Our predictions. Yeah, make it a, make it a short one, thirty mm-hmm. minutes or so, just kind of right just before you fill your ballot. Yeah, yeah, yeah really cool. take our opinions. Yeah, you really should trust us. We mm-hmm. know what we're talking about, yeah. um, and we're not talking out of our ass at all. Um, so yeah, and we should say we're we're lovers of film. We're not film critics at all. Yeah, uh, we're, we, we're we're goofy guys. I, I think go the way the we talk about film that becomes clear that we're lovers, not uh, not technicians. And I think it's a. It shows we love them because we're talking about movies like Lady Bird and Call Me By Your Name and Shape of Water and Three Billboards, and we're using the term films. Those are films. Those, Those are, are undoubtedly films. great films. And when we pick a little piece of paper out of a bowl, we go, which movie, <laughs> which movie is going to be next? I like, having, I like having that, though, now. I like having mm-hmm. the crappy movies that we get to watch so we get the comparison of mm-hmm. the great stuff, the, 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 the pure uncut stuff when we go see a good movie at the, at the movie yeah, theaters. It, it reminds you why that people make this and that when you actually put love and effort into something, it can be, uh, what's the word, magical? <laughs> and with that, I think that's it for us folks. Uh, we appreciate listening today. Uh, once again, next week we'll be watching Jaws: The Revenge. I wrote it as Jaws, comma The Revenge. Well, so. you wrote it wrong. <laughs> so it is Jaws semicolon The Revenge. That's how we'll be referring to it from now on. <laughs> Tune in next time, uh, probably late in the week, uh, the week of President's Week. We'll try to get uh, some crappy movie watching out there to you. Uh, so for Kevin Hill, my name is John Lake. Thanks for listening again. Email us at kickingandstreamingpod at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you guys later. All right, bye.